G'day and welcome to the City on a Hill podcast. I'm Guy, Senior Pastor of City on a Hill, a movement of churches across Australia united around the central mission of knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Whether you're on your morning commute or sitting down with a warm cup of coffee, I hope this message fuels your faith, hope and love. And while we're here, let me encourage you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. You can do that by heading to cityonahill.com.au. God bless. Look forward to connecting soon. Struggle to get out of bed, especially last year. I've hardly want to do life. Just long to crawl back into that fetal position. But with four young kids, uh, that's not going to happen, is it? I think we all have times where uh, life just feels heavy for us, where we carry all these burdens. And I think last year for me, or especially the last 24 months, uh, I just wonder how I'm going to fit everything into each day. I just kind of want to shut down and just go, ah, oh, can't function. Where's the control alt, alt delete button? Uh, for the uh, Gen Zers in the room, that's how you shut down a computer in the 90s. Oh, what about for you? Have you ever felt any of these kind of burdens or these feelings where you're just like, oh, I can't do life? It could be right now, or it could be in a season uh, past. There's a reason we call depression the black dog. People can be up and then knocked down like that into a deep sea of sadness. Not to mention anxiety, where we can just kind of shut down and not even be able to get to work. Mental health challenges have the power to cripple us And at least these days, we have language to talk about mental health. We've got wonderful uh, heroes of the faith and and heroes in culture, men and women who have actually spoken about their struggles, that we can understand what it means to be overwhelmed in life. We also have our own physical ailings as our bodies start to age or maybe caring for uh, our elderly parents. It's not easy to navigate the medical system where you kind of feel never seen or heard. So it's a bit heavy today, uh, but I start here because I think this is the cultural moment that we find ourselves in. I think there's a reason that, you know, 18 to 21-year-old students ask me to give a talk on being so overwhelmed. So uh, when you don't know what you're doing, you turn to Google, don't you? Here are some words uh, that I thought perfectly summed up this topic. Crushing. Overthinking things that inner voice or inner jury that just nags and criticizes us, the spiral that we run down as we ruminate on our thoughts, indecision, limbo, can't somebody else just make these big life decisions for me? Now, do forgive me for this frivolous example, but when I log on to Netflix, something that's meant to be restful and social, after I've finished that latest series, I don't know what to choose. There's just too much, too much. Come on, what am I going to do? I don't want to waste my time on something that's pointless. That's meant to be something that's relaxing as well, yet there's kind of pressure and kind of fatigue around it. So I think if we're all honest, we all have unmet expectations, there's disappointments, there's kind of family tensions, and that could be, that could be with our extended family or our uh, close family, it could be in our workplace, it could be with friends. Sometimes life just goes wrong. 
And then I think at the moment there's that pressure of daily finding ourselves. Who are you? Uh, Let me quote from a book called uh, Finding Yourself by Brian Rosner. This is what he says about our cultural angst. The current approach to finding ourselves doesn't seem to be working very well, either for individuals or society as a whole. We're confused, confronted, depressed, narcissistic, angry, and full of resentment. Along with this exciting opportunity to find yourself comes the daunting possibility of not succeeding or not liking what you find. We really are more fragile than we give ourselves permission to be. So can I get a bit intense and ask you, do you ever kind of look inside and just not like who you find? New stages of life can also kind of throw us off kilter. Retirement, retrenchment, moving homes, new community can be daunting and lonely. So I think our cultural moment uh, struggles with resilience. And I don't want to just say, oh, the young kids can't kind of function in life and I'm doing fine. I think all of us um, struggle with resilience. Now, be that because our phones kind of mean mean that we're connected 24-7 or work is always asking more of us, um, maybe the news that is just so intense at us at the moment in the Middle East. It's hard to healthily process these big things. Now, it's been a bit of a more depressing start than I normally do, but I wanted to cast the net wide. I want us to get us pondering about the cultural angst that we find ourselves in, personally and as a society as a whole. The question is, where is peace and true rest found? You know, that place where we can just be relaxed and comfortable and free to be ourselves. Where can we find that? So we're going to be thinking today about what the Bible has to say about this dreaded feeling of overwhelmedness. Does the Christian life have anything to offer? So I'm not sure where you're at with God, but today I just want you to lean in and ponder the vision that Jesus offers us. How can we function and flourish in a world where there's just so many demands placed on us? Uh, Today I'm going to go with a two-point sermon, so sorry if you got excited at church and you wanted a nice three-point sermon. That's not going to be happening today. I appreciate as well that I'm giving this kind of random topical talk, so I want to say test everything against Scripture, because I could be coming in today just making a mountain out of a molehill with my hobby horse. I certainly hope I'm not. Assess everything against God's beautiful and wonderful word. All right, the first point today is a bit random. But I think there is biblical wisdom here that says we're limited. We all have limitations. We're created beings, not the creator. Creatures who are dependent on our creator God. Let me start with a question. What if the demands that are placed on us aren't actually a curse, but they're actually a blessing? Let me just say that again. What if the demands and pressures that we all face aren't a bad thing, but actually a good thing? See how I'm kind of flipping this question on its head. What if our limitations are actually a really good gift from God? Maybe we're trying to squeeze way too much into our lives. 
Because all of us have this FOMO, this fear of missing out. We're worried that we will miss out, so we pack every possible thing in, yet we end up wrecked and exhausted as we bounce from one thing to another. And those in the congregation here uh, with kids know, knows what it's like to be a running taxi service on the weekend. That social engagement, that sporting event, you're left just exhausted at the end of the weekend. Meant to be a day of rest, but we've just bounced from one thing to another. Let me share a bit personally about myself. Uh, for the last uh, 24 months, it's been uh, a, a season where I've kind of grown in humility as I've realised that I'm not in control of life as much as I used to think. Things have fallen apart a bit. Psychs have been helpful, spiritual uh, mentors, and I've done something random. I've just let things drop. I've actually started saying no to people. And for me, the Mr. People Pleaser, that has been ridiculously impossible. My lofty expectations of life have dropped, and I'm a little bit scared to say this because I have a colleague here today, but even my work outputs at ministry have been less than their lofty um, younger days. And you know what? I've actually been okay with this. I've come to terms with the reality that I'm pretty ordinary. I'm not special. Hang on, am I going to get cancelled for saying that? No, I'm not. But I think the pace of, of life at which I was going at was just foolish. People told me this and I just politely ignored them. I said, oh, you don't understand. I actually am capable and I am great. But I know for me, when my body started breaking down, when there was lower back pains, when there was kind of gut health things, this was just a flag, my physical body saying to me, maybe you're going too hard. Maybe the stress and anxiety is because of the demands I'm placing on myself. Well, let me lean into church history. Uh, Robert McKean graduated from Edinburgh University at the age of what? He did it in 1827. Let's get a bit creative, uh, interactive. What age do you think he graduated university at? Lower. Lower than 16. Nine. No, nine. That's ridiculous. <laughs> He was 14, right? Um, by the age of 23, he was leading a Presbyterian congregation of over a 1,000. A 23-year-old pastor of a church of a 1,000. He worked so hard that his health finally broke down. He died at the age of 29, and before he died, he wrote this. God gave me a message to deliver and a horse to ride. Alas, I've killed the horse and now I cannot deliver the message. You see what the demands of life and the pressure this young man placed on himself did. On an aside, I encourage your pastor. I pray for him. Hold him accountable as he runs the race in the long term. And Louis, you have permission to let things drop, and that's okay. If he disappoints you, that's okay. Keep working through that before the Lord. We want uh, him to be going um, running ministry in the long term. So back to this point about us being finite and limited. It's actually good news. You are a created being, not the creator. You're limited, you're finite. And you know what? That's okay. You can't do it all. So maybe you need to stop trying. 
realize that there are just so many things that are out of your control and rest on that precious doctrine of God's sovereignty. I love it when I start my day with this little pep talk. Chris, you're not God. You can't do it all. And that's okay. It's actually something that's really grounded me and humbled me in this kind of last 24 months. Not being God means I can actually say no to students. Others can pick up for me, pick up things for me. And not being God means we don't have to actually know everything or do everything. And the Bible in the Old Testament has this uh, title of God that I've been pondering on lately. He's the everlasting God. From eternity past to eternity future, God is God. We're all going to have gravestones one day. We all will pass away. God will keep growing his church. He doesn't need us. God watches over his, year, over his world. And I bet 170 years ago, St. Wilfred's didn't imagine that there would be a petrol station here and a whole housing estate as the Malbos moved down. St. Wilfred's uh, founding uh, members probably wouldn't have thought there was this thing called an outside church. But here we are. Now, if we consider a piece of string reaching from, say, this uh, gold car over here to the, to the church, and think about history in terms of just being a little dot on that string, that, that, that's what we are. In the history of the world, we're pretty insignificant. Yes, I can say that. Here's the thing. God made you. God knows you. He put you on this planet in the 21st century, as an Australian. Yes, we might tell ourselves the story that we're in control of our lives, but really there are many things we don't decide. Our family of origin, our date of birth, the country we find ourselves in, the time period of history that we are in. We're so Australian. We're so blinded to that. That's just the air we breathe. So let me say, God has a purpose and a plan for you. He's put you in this time period with these friends, in this workplace, in this church. Yet, we're not in control as much as what we think. And you see this with the Australian of the Year, brain cancer. And he said in his speech, I don't want to die. A, a, a great scientist who's been working at uh, look, uh, melatonin, sorry, not melatonin, uh, skin cancer, and bam, all of a sudden he has undiagnosed, incurable cancer. So we're all going to meet our maker one day and we've got to live with that in mind. And our finiteness, our limitations might not be a curse, but they might actually be a blessing. You can't do it all, nor do you need to. We need to repent of trying to be God and thinking that we're the saviours. So can I ask some questions? What would happen, really, if you just work less? You said to your employee, I want to do four days. I want to care for the kids. What if you started caring less about certain things? Would life keep going on? Are there things you should care more about? What would happen if you started saying no to people and put in wise boundaries in your life? What if, as a student, you studied less? Oh, some parents shifting uncomfortably in the chairs there. But what if uh, education was actually about forming the whole of us, not just some academic grade at the end of the year or at the end of year 12? 
What if you said, I'm actually going to cultivate a day of spiritual rest with the Lord. I'm going to connect with him. I'm going to make church a, a, a priority. I'm going to protect this precious time that I can just enjoy God. Would the world keep going? Yes, it would. And what happened? What would happen if you deleted social media? This is uncomfortable. We're shifting. You know what? I had the option the other day of deleting Spotify or Facebook. My phone's pretty old. Didn't have enough space. So Facebook was gotten rid of. And you know what? I might not have got the kid's next birthday present on Facebook Marketplace, but life was more happy. There was more enrichingness just to be present with people, people that the Lord has put around me. We're finite beings. What would happen if you made it a priority to walk and pray with the Lord and put in a spiritual practice like that where you could just cry back out to God with the scripture you've hidden in your heart for decades? What do you need to do, friends, to go at a slower and more relaxed pace? Because the world won't tell you to go slower. The crazy air we breathe is that you have to do more, you have to try harder, you have to run, and you have to sprint. I think if there is a God who's watching over you and who loves you and who cares, it actually means we can make different decisions. We can rest in his good grace. What if there's a God who didn't pressure and demand from you but who sees and understands every aspect of your life, including that deep space of being overwhelmed? What if there was a God who doesn't judge you, but actually moves towards you in grace, a God who's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love? What if God was patient? And that, my friend, friends, leads us into the next point, the second point. Uh, and this is a passage uh, that uh, City on a Hill, uh, Melbourne, has been doing a verse that changed my life. Uh, and I think this would have been the verse that I chose. Because since uh, the corona pandemic in 2020, uh, this wonderful promise for Jesus has just been a well of rich, deep treasure for me. Let me read it. Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What a wonderful promise when life has knocked us around and we're feeling weary and burdened. I find it most fascinating that Jesus can say something 2,000 years ago and it's still on point today. There's still wisdom in it and it completely describes our reality. When we're burnt out, exhausted, fatigued, or at our wit's end, what we find is a God who will actually give us rest. Now, Jesus says here he's going to give us rest. Well, what, is, what does this mean? Are we going to kind of sleep better? Are we going to kind of chill out at the end of a hard day's work? Well, I want to suggest to you today that Jesus is inviting you into the most astonishing relationship of love where you can have spiritual rest for your soul. Rest for the deepest part of you and embrace a welcome from God like you've never experienced before. 
in one Old Testament word, shalom, peace. I'm completely overwhelmed, right? And Jesus says, that's okay. I love you anyway. I'm completely and utterly hopeless and lost. And Jesus says, I know you. You're found. I've sought you out. I'm proud and arrogant. And Jesus says, I know. And I forgive you. At your best moment and your worst moment, King Jesus is there for you. His love never, ever runs dry. You can't sin your way out of his loving embrace. Jesus says to you, I'll die your death on the cross. I'll take your punishment and I will offer you free forgiveness. Your past thrown into the sea without bottom or, or completely gone. The shame you feel can be washed clean. That's how perfect and beautiful the cross is. God's grace is a well that never runs dry. It's a wonderful gift. We can be loved by the everlasting God who has sought you out. And I think that ought to just completely calm our souls. I want you to picture with me a 35-degree day down at, uh, let's say, Fisho's, or maybe Cozy Corner if you've got young kids. Uh, there's no wind. Like, I know it's hard to believe, but just imagine a day like that in Torquay. And that you're just hot, you just jump in, and there's just relief and a peace as your body just lets out this, ah, life is as it should be. You've been there, haven't you? Well, what I want to say is that's the type of rest that Jesus is, is, is offering us when he says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What if the God of the Bible doesn't demand, but he gives? There can be this deep intimacy that you can have with God where you can be your true self, warts and all. That's how safe it is with the eternal king. You can have a place where you just work out your garbage. And this is the brilliant news of the gospel. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. His forgiveness never runs dry, and he loves you. Jesus isn't going to cast you aside if you're weak or broken or messy. Rather, he'll draw you into the closest part of his heart. And I think here is where we can actually be our true selves, an honest place to lose the mask that we might present to the world, and we can actually be real with the true and living God. God, I'm I'm struggling here. Help me. And what we find is a wonderfully transforming space, a relationship of love and unbridled joy, a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Friends, you can be hashtag blessed. This is where the best life is found. Now, here's a reference that might be totally uh, out of date, unless you're my age or above. Has anyone seen the movie Terminator? Yeah, there's a a few of us. Well, uh, in the Terminator, there's this uh, man who looks like a man, but actually inside he's a robot. And at times they try and kind of, you know, saw him in half or whatever, and you see these electrical kind of crazy things underneath the skin, right? So if you peel back Arnold Schwarzenegger, what you find is a robot. 
skin, past the skin are all these electrical parts. Well, let me say, if you cut Jesus, what do you find? Love. He bleeds love. And we see that in his mighty death and resurrection on the cross. A a way that we can be welcomed and accepted before the living God, assured in the family. And I think that is the thing that brings deep rest for our souls. Deep rest. So let me say, Jesus loves you to your core. He sees you. He knows every wonderful and stupid thing that you've ever done. And he says, come home. I love you. Be a sister or a brother in my forever family, and I will love you from this day forth. Come, seek me, and you will be found. This is the incredible news of the gospel. So let me, let me be really clear here. This Christianity thing, it's not about religion or performance. It's not about earning God's love and doing lots of good things and hopefully attaining God at some point. That's not how the Christian story works. On the contrary, it's a story of astonishing love with Jesus coming near. Jesus seeking out the lost. Jesus amazing us with his love. Uh, All religions uh, that I've studied so far says do. You've got to earn your way in. It's about your performance. Jesus says done. It is finished. Most religious systems have rules, practices to follow, sacrifices that you must do. The hope is at the end of your life, you've attained God or your your good outweighs your bad. Christianity is radically different. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the, the eternal God coming near. Jesus says, I will do it all for you. I will find a way for you to come into my family. And we see that on the cross, don't we? That's how the Christian story ends. A place where Jesus is wiping away our sins and giving us a fresh start. A story that doesn't just end at the cross, but miraculously, three days later, Jesus is raised to life, assuring us that there is hope beyond. Jesus punches through death with an unexpected triumph. There is hope beyond death. And the best part of this is we can rest assured knowing that we're loved and guaranteed a place in the family. Not because we're good, not because we do all these religious things, but because we're loved children of God. It actually just provides great rest and encouragement for our souls. So let me say, society demands much from you. Social media demands that you put your best face forward. Family might have all these hopes and dreams and expectations for you. But what if in Jesus, there was a God who moved towards you in grace? Now, this is a story I fear many of us maybe assume. We think we know. We can take for granted if we've been a Christian for a while. I know at uh, the Catholic Uni, uh, most people uh, picture God as the old grumpy guy in the sky. They picture him like as a security guard, you know, there's like a thousand panels and, and you might occasionally get a glance from God, but in the end, God doesn't really care. I think that's the cultural understanding of uh, the Christian faith. Well, let me say clearly, this is not what the Bible teaches. You, what you find in the scriptures is a God who stoops to serve. 
Jesus enters into our mess and lives the most astonishing life of love. He radiates love to the world. It's why uh, sinners and messy people are just so comfortable to be around him. That's why I think it's so refreshing just to continually return to read the gospel stories, to see how actually Jesus related to Zacchaeus or the woman caught in adultery, how he touches lepers. He's not afraid of their moral uncleanness. He just radiates towards them in love. He heals those who are suffering and actually makes time for those who have been rejected for decades. So can I encourage you, uh, every one of us, to, to maybe in this new uh, year period to actually take a fresh look at Jesus, read or even listen on the, on the way to work, listen to an account of Jesus' life. You might even like to pause it and, and just pray, just, just worship as Jesus amazes you afresh. I really encourage you in the welcome pack here is kind of Gospels of John. So if you're someone that's exploring uh, the faith, go grab Gospel of John and just read it and keep looking at Jesus and figuring out why he came. And uh, even if you want help with this, there's many people here that would love to do that with you. The Bible story that Jesus says is a story of love. God invites you into the most astonishing relationship of love, a relationship that starts now and continues on forever. There is a rich welcome for you, friends. So will all these pressures that we face magically go away? Well, I think it would be naive and stupid of me to say they do, because they don't. But what if in these moments of overwhelmingness, in these deep and dark places, what if you found a friend who will never leave you, a friend who's gentle and kind to you, even at your worst? What if there's a Father in heaven who's watching over every single step of your life from start to finish? What if there's a spirit who will come and revolutionize your life as he lives in us and guide you every step of the way? Are you seeing how personal this rest is that Jesus offers us? It might be for the first time today, or it might be for the millionth time. But we need to keep coming back to Jesus' love and grace, for that is the heart of the Christian story. A beautiful and astonishing God who we can forever grow to know more. And this is the place where we will thrive. Uh, Self-discovery, radical individualism says, go find yourself, look inside, figure it out. What Jesus says to you today, you're already found. The eternal God has sought you out. He wants a relationship with you and he wants you to return home. It's about whether we're willing to say yes to Jesus and let him shine his light into our lives, into the dark crevices where we feel completely overwhelmed. And I want to suggest today you'll be like a caterpillar in this love and grace. You'll metamorphose into a beautiful butterfly and you will soar. You will flourish. Yes, life will have its ups and downs. There will be moments of being completely overwhelmed, but Jesus will be there for you, even when you're feeling like life is too much and you're drowning. How about I pray for us? Our Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you that you are the eternal God of love. 
Uh, Lord, we confess when we just think we're amazing and want to do everything and just think that we are God. Uh, forgive us. I thank you, Jesus, that you love us uh, till the end. We thank you that you die in our place and that you've uh, been raised to life. And even now you're praying for us and watching over us. Help us keep uh, discerning, Lord, about your love and your life and your grace. Keep us close uh, to your love, we ask Jesus.